everybody. Welcome back to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check us out online at blisterreview.com. Today on the podcast, we're talking once again to our bike editor, Noah Bodman. Noah and I talk about what's interesting in bike land this season, including where we're seeing the most innovations taking place, whether Noah thinks that 26-inch wheels will eventually make a comeback, and whether e-bikes are gaining public acceptance. Noah and I also discuss several particular bikes, including the YT Jeffsy, the Canyon Spectral, and a couple of plus bikes, the Scott Spark Plus and the Scott Genius LT Plus. Then Noah and I wrap up the conversations with some predictions about the World Cup downhill season that starts this week. Before we get to that conversation, I want to give you an update on our upcoming ski review trip to Mount Bachelor. We actually had to delay the trip a few days as we are waiting for several more skis to arrive, but we'll be on snow this weekend at Bachelor, and we look forward to seeing some of you in Bend. We have a very sweet lineup of skis that we're bringing to Bachelor, so be checking the site for more information on that. But that's enough about skis for now, because now it's time to talk bikes with Noah Bodman. Hey Noah, how's it going? Pretty good, Jonathan. How are you doing today? I'm good. How's that third beer you're on? Uh, it's delicious. Did I get the number right? You sure did, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Um, so it's bike season-ish, or shoulder season, right? I think hopefully there's yeah. still a lot of people that are both skiing, slash biking, slash running, slash whatever, doing multiple sports. You got, you got options this time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did want to um, catch up with you on some of the new stuff for this bike season. Um so to just get started, um, what should we be paying attention to this season? What's interesting? Well, uh, I think uh, nothing, nothing too crazy and new coming out, but I think a lot of the sort of recent trends, we'll see them continuing. So uh, plus bikes, we see a lot of companies doing uh, more plus bikes and, and more of the companies are doing bikes that can either be set up two niner or 27.5 plus and we're seeing more companies that are really doing kind of dedicated frames for uh plus bikes uh we're also seeing on the two niner front we're seeing more of the long travel iterations of those bikes it's it seems like it's taken a little while for companies to kind of figure out how to make a long travel two niner that doesn't really kind of suck Hmm. Um, or there's, there's been some good options in the past, but they're, they really felt like big bikes. Uh, and so, uh, tall guys tended to like them and, and people with a lot of fast, straight, rough trails really like them cause they just plow through stuff, but, uh, they don't really go around corners. Um, and, and a lot of trails do have corners. So, uh, more companies are figuring out how to make long travel two niners that are actually fun to ride on a variety of trails. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, uh, we've got more 
bikes coming with the uh, wide range one by drivetrains, you know, more bikes than ever that don't have any option for front derailers. So while Shimano is still clinging to their front derailers and plenty of people like them, especially people that have lots of miserably steep climbs, uh, the industry in general seems to be going towards one by drivetrains and, and the Eagle drivetrains from SRAM, you know, they really open up some uh some options in terms of gearing i've just been uh riding a new yeti sb5 that's got an eagle drivetrain on it and went out for a ride last night and like man you can just sort of slow pedal straight up some ridiculously steep grades with that thing huh. and uh yeah it makes climbing slightly less miserable so so that's nice and then uh yeah, e-bikes are the, um, uh, I, I don't know, they're the, the thing that all the major companies seem to be wanting to sell, so they're pushing them really hard. <coughs> Demos have a lot of, uh, you know, e-bikes out there. High bike is uh, showing up at all the demos with a huge fleet of e-bikes, and um yeah, we've talked about this before. There's a lot of access issues that go with those. Yeah. Um, you know, if if you want to not pedal hard and go really fast, then they're awesome for that. They make going uphill pretty damn easy, and they're starting to be not super heavy. So you know, they could theoretically be ridden on a real trail kind of like a normal mountain bike but yeah there's a lot of pushback on those things yeah. um and yeah for the record right. i think they're stupid so yeah <clears throat> where what's your sense of where broad public consensus is you think these are gaining gaining acceptance on that front uh they're these bikes are the e-bikes are winning people over do you think it's still an uphill battle for the companies marketing these and trying to, you know, grow that acceptance? What's your take on that? I think it's an uphill battle. I mean, my sense is that they're kind of going about it the wrong way because they're trying to market them as mountain bikes that have this sort of electric capability. And that's not really how I see them. I just see them as their their own thing. You know, it's like you've got mountain bikes, you've got e-bikes, you've got dirt bikes. They're all yeah. they're all unique things, uh, and that's fine. You know, like I think dirt bikes are cool. I don't really have any problem with e-bikes as long as they're not riding on non-motorized trails. Right. Um, you know, do what you like, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, so I think. Uh, but that's not the direction that the that the marketing is going on them right now. So I, I kind of get the sense that like of of mountain bikers, maybe ten percent of mountain bikers really hate them because they you know they're concerned about access issues. Ten percent of mountain bikers really like them because they sort of open up some possibilities and make climbing less miserable. And the other 80% of mountain bikers just don't really care one way or the other because it's just not really relevant to their, you know, to their existence. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're just going to go on, keep doing what they're doing. 
and uh, yeah, whatever. Um, I, you know, I, I haven't taken any kind of scientific or broad survey, but around here in Montana, the shop owners don't seem to be falling all over themselves to stock a bunch of e-bikes. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's maybe an indicator okay. uh, that they're not they're not flying off the shelves. Okay, but um, you know, you know, the other thing with e-bikes though is that that you've got companies like Specialized that do do e-bikes and they do some mountain bike e-bikes that they're pushing pretty hard but then they also do like this whole range of like commuter e-bikes and i think in a lot of situations like those commuter e-bikes kind of make a lot of sense like you don't really have access issues right and you know you can ride them around and it means if you got a 10 mile commute to work and you want to do it on a bike and you just kind of want to get it over with quickly yep yeah grab an e-bike you know you can crank out miles crazy fast on those things um but you know they they're not uh it's not like you're on a dirt bike or or a, a moped i guess you know they're not as fast as an actual gas-powered motor so you know they're a little, little easier for riding around town on um so in that context like yeah i think they're great and some of the shops around here are stocking those sort of bikes um so that's kind of cool yep <clears throat> so on a Another, um, I don't know if this is a, cons it's not so much a consensus question. This is a, this is a, a death meter question. Uh, 26-inch wheels, is that, is the needle from, you know, alive and well on the one end, and then on the other end, like, absolutely in the grave? Where are 26-inch wheels right now? And... How many seasons is it until 26 wheels are back as the coolest new thing? Oh, geez. Any second now, they'll be back as the coolest thing. So you're not even... Wait, wait. You're not even giving it like... We're not even going to make it through this season till we see the resurgence? Uh, like, probably next week. <laughs> um, I don't think sarcasm comes across on podcasts, right? No. It's like in texts, you know? Um, no, I think 26-inch wheels are... Uh, I'm going to say 80% dead. Um, you know, there's still plenty of them out there on, uh, on older bikes and people are riding them happily because the difference between a 26 inch wheel and a 27, five inch wheel is not that significant. Um, but companies are increasingly not making 26 inch products anymore. Um, you still get them on slope style bikes just because like slope style dirt jumper you know bikes where you're doing tricks the, yeah. the smaller wheels just make it easier um but for trail bikes you know dirt jumpers and slope style bikes make up a pretty tiny segment of the market so for general trail bikes uh i can't think of any company that's making 26 inch bikes in any kind of quantity there's a few there's a few companies that are making some like 26 inch hardtails and then you've got uh like companies like surly are doing 26 inch plus bikes that have bigger tires um so i i guess 
plus and fat bikes are kind of their own separate thing. And so the 26 inch wheel size is still alive and well in that segment. But in terms of, if I say normal tire sizes, then maybe we get angry comments or something. But, but okay, I'm just going to say normal tire sizes, you're not seeing really any 26 inch bikes, uh, at all at this point. So it's just, it's just older stuff and, and some companies are still supporting that and some aren't, but I think they will slowly die out kind of like 24 inch wheels slowly died out in 2005 ish. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that is to say then you are actually not predicting a, a 26 resurgence. No, no, I am. I am not just, just to, yeah, be clear. Really? So 10 years from now, 10 years from now, we're not going to circle back. Well, I don't know. Like there's a a few companies that shall remain nameless that seem like they really like to dredge up old things that have already been done in the mountain bike world and like, you know, polish it up and put some fresh paint on it and call it the new awesome thing. And uh, since they're big companies, we're, we're stuck with it. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see uh, 26 inch wheels really making a resurgence. Um, you, I mean, there is an argument that they work better on smaller frame sizes, but I think, companies have mostly gotten their frame geometry figured out at this point to to make uh 27.5s and 29 inch wheels work for uh shorter riders mm-hmm. um, i i wouldn't be surprised at all if we see another wheel size in the next 10 years but i'd bet it'd be bigger not smaller oh okay talk to me about what what area where are we seeing the most innovations? Um, if you had to pick among like wheel sizes or tires and traction or drivetrains or frame geometry, um, where's the most interesting stuff going on in sort of a segment? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, there's some drivetrain stuff, like I kind of mentioned earlier. There's, you know, one by versus two by. Uh, I think it's going to continue trending towards one-by drivetrains and better range. I'm fairly certain that the Eagle stuff, the 12-speed stuff from SRAM is going to trickle down. And so, you know, it'll be at least marginally affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, or at the very least, it'll make the 11-speed stuff more affordable. Um, and then uh, we've got some... Uh, there's some new suspension designs have come out. Uh, Polygon and Marin have recently debuted this sort of awkward-looking suspension design that has some pivots and some sliding apparatus. Uh, so yeah, it's it's kind of interesting, and um, the I, I have not even seen one in person, let alone. Uh, put my hands on one but but the uh the early reviews you know they seem to be just falling all over themselves about it um 
they're they're pretty ugly, so that's going to be a hurdle. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm a function over form kind of guy, so we'll see. I'll reserve judgment. Okay. Um, but yeah, so there's some suspension designs. Uh, uh, there's that one. There's um, uh, Zan Marshland, our reviewer, just rode the Spot Rollick recently in Moab. Um, that's got kind of a funky suspension design that he was pretty psyched on. Um, it's got like this sort of flexing carbon leaf spring thing in addition to a bunch of traditional pivots. Um and there's a couple other companies that are doing interesting suspension things. Like, there's the Yetis. It's not really a new thing at this point, but they've got their little sliding switch infinity link deal, which uh, has thus far worked well for me. I, I, I rode the 5.5 last fall, and I'm on the SB5 now, um, and seems to be a pretty sweet bike, although I don't have that much time on it yet. Uh, so anyways, yeah. Uh, some suspension design stuff. Um, other than that, I don't see. I mean, there's a lot of uh, incremental changes yeah. uh, to. I mean, wheel sizes. You know, we're getting better tire options for two niners. We're getting more plus options. We've got the plus minus options. A lot of companies are starting to do two point six inch tires. Um, so that's sort of like some middle ground between the normal tires and the plus tires. Um, I haven't ridden them yet. Just looking at them, they don't look that much bigger than a 2.5 on a wide rim. Mm -hmm. um, but Specialized is stocking those on a couple of bikes, and I think some other companies are starting to do those as well. Um, so, yeah, nothing nothing real groundbreaking there, but sort of incremental. I think companies kind of, they push it and they push it and they push it, and then they figure out when they've gone too far and they back off from there. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of that kind of thing going on. Yeah. Um, so We just rolled out today on the site um, Fox's announcements about their uh, new 2018 forks and shocks. Um, of that lineup, uh, my it sounds like you would say that is a series of incremental changes. Um, any yep. any particular component in that lineup that is um, that looks most interesting to you? Um, well, yeah, again, incremental changes, so nothing super groundbreaking there, but they've. Uh, they've done Evol air cans in their rear shocks for a while, which is basically a higher volume air can to make the air spring feel more linear, uh, so more like a coil. Uh, and now they've, they've rolled the Evol uh, air springs into their forks, so basically they've increased the air chamber in their forks, which should make them feel more linear. Um, all of that's going to more or less mean better small bump sensitivity because that can always be a problem with air forks and shocks mm -hmm. uh, so that's probably the biggest change they've done other than that they made a whole bunch of little tweaks to their dampers just tweaking um, compression dampening to I said dampening we got to edit that out it should be damping um, the three beers you know they're making me mispronounce things um, so yeah uh, 
tweaks to their dampers. Again, I think the idea on a lot of those tweaks was to increase small bump sensitivity, and then they're also increasing the adjustment range on uh, on a couple of their shocks. So, uh, yeah, incremental changes, nothing super groundbreaking. They're doing a, a short travel version of their XC fork, uh, Stepcast 32, uh, that's designed for gravel grinding. Uh, so I think it's a 40 mil travel fork. Um, so it, it's basically the same fork with just a, a travel reduction, but that was kind of interesting, I guess. Uh, maybe that means that gravel grinding is catching on. I know there's, um, I've got a few friends that are big into it, and it sounds like gravel grinding is the thing to do in the Midwest. Um, hmm. So I've heard. So, hmm. yeah, you know, whatever floats your boat. Mm -hmm. You and some of our reviewers were just in Moab, um, yep. riding some bikes out there. Talk to me about uh, one or two of the bikes that stood out that you were on. Uh, well, so I mentioned Zan got on that spot Rollick that sort of has an interesting suspension design, and uh, I haven't seen his review of it yet, but just from riding with him, he seemed like he was pretty psyched on it, uh, kind of poppy and playful, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. um, I rode a YT Jeff C29. They have the 29 and the 27.5 now. Um, and uh, I was pretty psyched to get on that bike just because it seemed... I mean, the YTs are priced really competitively. And so, uh, given the price, it would have to kind of be terrible for me to not be at least a little bit into it. And, and it was not terrible. It was a fun bike, um, especially once you get it up to speed. Uh, it's got good geometry numbers, so pretty stable and likes to jump off of stuff. So that was fun. What are we, uh, what are we looking at price-wise for like a pretty... No, not top of the line, but like pretty nicely outfitted Jeffsy. I mean, you know, they've got the whole lineup, and I, I'm not going to try to quote numbers off the top of my head because I sure don't know them. Uh, but the spec that you can get on a Jeffsy, basically for an equivalent price, you know, if you compare a Jeffsy to any of the other major brands out there, you just get a higher quality spec for okay. a considerably lower price okay uh, so an equivalent spec jeffsy might be you know it might be a thousand dollars less than something from one of the bigger brands okay uh, and and but they're uh, you know it's a direct to consumer brand so you order it off their website and they ship it to you uh so you don't have a shop uh putting it together and looking it over for you um some people are comfortable with that some people maybe aren't um but that's that's their decision to make, and they got the option. And that kind of uh, th this is an excellent segue into the next bike I was going to talk about, which is uh, Zan got on a Canyon Spectral, <laughs> and I don't remember off the top of my head which exact model it was, uh, or which uh, in the Spectral range which one it was. Yeah. Um, but Canyon is another direct to consumer brand. They are currently not available in the United States, but they will be. Last I heard in like August, they're supposed to debut in the US. And so he got a chance to spend a little time on one. And uh, the things that I remember were that A, it was 
pretty light. It was, uh, yeah, it, it didn't weigh a lot, which is always nice. Mm-hmm. And he had a good time on it. Uh, kind of similar to the Rollick. I think it's a little more, uh, the Rollick's a little longer travel from spot the Spot Rollick. And then the, the Canyon Spectral's a little shorter travel, if I remember right. And it's, uh, yeah, he, he had a good time on the, we were up at the Bar M trails in Moab, and so those are kind of slow speed and chunky. Um, lots of lots of rocks. Moab has plenty of those, and uh, sounds like the Spectral handled it pretty, handled it well. So um, that'll be cool. When we've got another uh, another one of those direct to consumer brands available in the U.S. Um, because it's just it's just another option out there. Yep. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we rode some plus bikes. Uh, we rode, both Zan and I rode a couple different Scott plus bikes. We rode the, I rode the Spark Plus, and then we both rode the Genius LT Plus. Uh, the Spark is like a shorter travel, I think 120 millimeter travel on the back. And then the, the Genius LT, I want to say is 160 mill travel um and it was interesting because i've i've ridden plus bikes in the past and i i kind of recognize the benefits of them but i have never been personally overly enamored with them they just kind of felt big and and slow and a little bit stupid and imprecise um the big tires they kind of just ping off of things and um it's a little harder to put the bike exactly where I want it. And I kind of had that feeling with the Genius LT Plus. It's just a big bike, and uh, it gives you a lot of leeway. You can just smash into stuff, and it really doesn't matter. But if you really need to be precise through a line, it's it's not as good for that. But the Spark Plus, uh, I, I was fairly surprised to find that I had a ton of fun on it, and that might have been the most fun uh, of the bikes that I rode in Moab. Huh. Uh, like it just, uh, you know, plus tires come with some inherent downsides. They, they're, you know, they're bigger and they're heavier. And like I was saying, they can, they can feel less precise. Um, and the spark frame did a really good job of, of kind of negating those issues. It's, uh, the geometry is spot on to work well with a plus bike so that it, the, the 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 geometry steers in really well. It corners really well, and uh, it's a pretty light bike. So all of those things kind of uh, make it a little easier to manage the big plus tires. And then you still get all the advantages of the plus tires, which like you get insane traction in corners, and they just stick to everything you can. Uh, I mean, on climbs, you can just grind up like the nastiest, loosest, chunky climbs because the big tires just dig in. And and then when you do kind of miss your line, if you're trying to be precise and and you fail and and end up on some crappy, rocky chunder that there's a lot of in Moab, you know, those plus tires, they just kind of conform to the rocks and they stick to it. And so... Your your poor line choice just really doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> so 
sounds like sounds like I need to get a plus bike real real yeah. soon here. Jonathan, I think you're an excellent candidate for a plus. Bike. Um, I never so, I never miss my line, Noah. Uh, I've heard, I've heard, but you know, I'll believe it when I say. Um, so yeah, I was super at Spark actually. Um, it uh, it was just a lot of fun, and and you know, especially on those trails we were riding it, they're you know they're slow and they're kind of techy, and it's tough to find flow on them. And that bike, more than any other bike that I rode, could find some flow because, you know, the bike was easy to maneuver and it was easy to push the bike around. And at the same time, the big tires just meant that uh, the size of obstacle that I had to concern myself with was was larger. You know, if if it was anything under like a six inch tall rock, I could just kind of ignore it, even though the bike was pretty short travel. It was only 120 mil travel bike, like I said. Uh, which also means it's a pretty efficient bike. Um, you know, it, it pedals pretty well, and it's it it doesn't feel like a chore to get to the top of the climb, uh, which is nice because it's got the big heavy tires on it, so it sort of cancels that out. Yep. Well, cool. Um, hey, World Cup downhill season is just about to get underway, right? Yeah, Lords. Lords is uh, well. It's Thursday now, but next weekend, as in not two days from now. Next week at the okay, um, yeah, like the twenty ninth, thirtieth, something yeah. like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. We need to we need to go to a World Cup downhill event. Which one should we go to? I don't know. They're all fucking not in the U.S. So yeah. talk to the UCI and make them bring a World Cup back stateside because hmm. we had Wyndham a few years back, but mm-hmm. then they canceled that and no place else in the U.S. Oh, are they doing? They might be doing Mount Saint Anne. Um, I haven't looked closely at the schedule this year, but I would assume Mount Saint Anne is on there. So that's at least in North America. Yeah. yeah. Granted, it's like a 80-hour drive from... Uh, 80? Huh. It's an estimate. I didn't, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't Google map it. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, what... um, We'll have to think about that. Um, the other thing we have to do, by the way, is... When is the Evil Knievel event? We need to go to that. We got to go to that this oh, year. On a mute? Yeah. Um, I haven't, I haven't checked the schedule for this year. I, I think it's usually in like late July. Okay. I think um, we really need to go. I, I agree. Okay. Um, if you come up for it, I will, I will, uh, procure lodging. Okay. And you're going to compete in it, right? Uh, well, I mean, they have a lot of events. I would, I would do the urban downhill. Okay. Okay. I'll compete if you compete. Uh, I'm still, it depends if I've, you know, got my plus bike to help me with my line choice. Yeah, I bet if you, if you landed in the pit of snakes <laughs> on plus bike, you'd probably still be able to roll out of it. Right. Tires, man, they just, they just go. They, they will not get hung up on any rattlesnakes. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll keep, we'll come, we're going to revisit this, but we should go this year. Um, but uh, this downhill season, um, 
if you had to bet $10,000 of your own money, is Gwen the obvious choice on the men's side, and is Rachel Atherton the obvious choice on the women's side? Uh, well, Rachel Atherton is clearly the obvious choice. Uh, I will put $10,000 on that any day of the week. Yeah. Gwen, yeah, I mean, I would still bet on him. I think, you know, Danny Hart's been on a pretty good run, but yep. we'll, we'll see if he can, if he can sustain it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to declare that. Troy Brosnan's on a Canyon this year. Uh, huh. so I think he has the potential to be going faster. I mean, he was always fast, but mm-hmm. but even faster. Um, the more interesting question is who is going to be the first person to win on a two niner downhill bike? Because yeah, heavy rumors say that there will be plenty of people racing on them. I'd bet a shiny nickel that Minar is going to be on a two niner. And I bet a bunch of other guys are as well. And, uh, well, we'll see at Lords. Um, but, yeah, there's plenty of leaked photos. Fox is, is producing a, uh, you know, four World Cup riders, uh, 2-9er 40, a 49er. Um, and, uh, yeah, there, there's going to be some guys on 29-inch downhill bikes and I think they are going to do really well on them. <laughs> I, I am a believer in the two niner camp. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of two niners, isn't it? Like they roll well. What's well? They don't really. They don't turn as well. Yeah. And uh, I think you know it depends on the course. The straighter courses. Yeah. I think the two niners would do well. Um, you know, up until fairly recently, there's been just uh, equipment issues. Uh, nobody was making a two nine or downhill fork. Yeah. Um, nobody made uh, good two nine or downhill casing tires. Um, you've got uh, two nine or rim issues. You know, is anybody making a, a good burly rim yep. that'll hold out to World Cup rigors? Yep. And then you've got the issue of a 200 millimeter travel bike with a big wheel on it uh, on steep terrain. That tire is gonna end up in your ass. Uh, yeah. So you've got some clearance issues. Yeah. Um, but I think most of those uh, rumor has it that at least some of the bikes are reducing travel down to 180 millimeters. Um, to, to deal with the clearance issues. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, there was clearance issues when downhill bikes switched from 26 to 27.5. Right. Uh, like, uh, we reviewed it. WT made, WTB made the Hightail saddle that has, like, a cutout. And uh, that came about after working with pivot bikes because the Phoenix, when they adapted it from 26-inch wheels to the 27.5, uh, they had clearance issues, so they made a special saddle that could accommodate it. Um, so, yeah, companies will work around it. Yeah, it's a long and short. But, um, but I think I think the two niners are going to go fast. Um, it might take a race or two for everyone to figure out 
how to ride them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously these guys know how to ride a bike, but I think uh, if they're if they're really used to their twenty seven five bikes, I think the two niners will make speed in different parts of the course, and so it might take a little bit for that to sort of work itself out. Um, I don't know how much they've been riding the two niner prototypes. I, I would assume they've been riding them all winter, um, but maybe not. Yeah. So, anyways. Um, yeah, my prediction is that two niners are going to do really well, and that there's probably going to be at least one two niner on the podium at Lords next week. Hmm. Um, but but we will see. We will see. Well, very good, man. Um, well, fun to talk about this stuff with you and to uh, start trying to think about bikes a bit. Um, we're definitely not done with ski season. We're still, we got this upcoming trip. We're going to be skiing soon and getting on a whole bunch of new stuff. But, um, I am, I am personally excited for the, the multi-sport season, uh, looking forward to doing both and looking forward to seeing you roll out more of your, uh, more of your stuff on all this new bike equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Tons of exciting stuff. And you can go ski, ski, Ski corn in the morning and, or no, you should ride bikes in the morning and then yep. ski corn in the afternoon. There yep. we go. I think that's the program. Um, well, good, man. Good to talk, Noah, and we will talk to you later. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. That's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Many thanks to Noah Bodman for the conversation and to our strikingly handsome audio engineer, Justin Bob, whose picture I'm about to start putting on the back of milk cartons. Wait a second. I think I may have already used that line before. Oh, well, whatever. Uh, Till next time, check out what we're up to at blisterreview.com, and we will talk to you next week.